You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Bob Selly, Chief People Officer at Ocean State Joblot. Bob is recognized as an HR icon, futurist, and culture transformation influencer. Together with his team, Bob is leading a transformation that has named Ocean State Joblot a Forbes Best Midsize Employer three of the past four years and has received DEI recognition and multi-state safety and associate well-being awards. Also, as a believer in collaboration and giving back, Bob is committed to pay it forward by consulting and advising several startups. His volunteer work includes the Rhode Island Free Clinic and mentoring at the Nonviolence Institute. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and Bob discuss how critical it is to practice active and deep listening to create a culture of trust and belonging. Ocean State job lot systems and processes to stay focused on the wellness of their associates and making sure people love coming to work. And some great questions every company should be asking themselves when trying to redesign a workplace in the post-pandemic world. Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and today I'm very excited to have Bob Selly with us. Bob, how are you? I am awesome today. How are you doing? I'm good, all the way from uh, Rhode Island. Yes, Rhode Island. Yeah, it's supposed to be spring, but we keep getting rain and cold, so well, my friend, someday. We are with you on that. There's, you know, beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia. Today's beautiful, but in an hour, it will be raining. And then the following hour, it will probably snow. (laughs) So I feel your pain. So, so, so Bob, uh, look, just as an overview, because I hadn't heard of Ocean State Job Lot, and, and you being Chief Human Resource Officer and Culture Champion, just tell our listeners what, what the company does. Yeah, so simply, we are a uh, closeout retailer. We used to say we're in the Northeast, but we're starting to sneak down into the Mid-Atlantic, and we've got four stores in Pennsylvania. So we are we are unlike other companies. We, we will buy and sell anything. You know, we get a lot of our customers shop us and they, they've taglined us for adventure shopping because you never know what you're going to get in that store. So um, that's what we do. And, it, and it's a lot of fun. Wow. And so what brought you to this? Because how long have you been there for? I will be here six years in um, July. And I was at Kohl's uh, department stores. I was senior vice president of HR prior to that. And I started in the stores and then obviously I grew. Uh, what, what, what brought me here was, um, you know, I met the, the ownership team and they were a company committed to their communities, to their associates, but they didn't know how to do it. And they gave me a canvas and, and all of us that, that love what we do, it was, uh, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. It also was a little scary because typically we're building on something uh, at companies. This literally was a ground up build around the people piece and uh, best six years of my career so far. Well, good for you. And, and so, so sounds like that high level purpose vision, which, which, which back then probably didn't attract as people as much as it does today. But so I think you were ahead of your time. Yeah. Right. We are. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so so it sounds like that was the the attracting piece, but then uh, for you um, it sounds like this um, uphill battle that you were interested in leaning into versus feared and said, I don't know if I can deliver, I'm going to stay away. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, I'm a driven guy. So, um, you know, all of us have a little bit of a, an ego, I guess. And, and, 
And this is, uh, you know, I'm one person that wants to challenge myself every day and challenge the people around me. So I thought it was uh, a main opportunity. So, so I'm curious of a few things. Yeah. Coming from where you came from, you would have built some corporate habits, right? Right. How did you balance that with coming in with this fresh perspective and balance with, there's probably some good things I'm going to bring in here, but some things I need to leave behind. How'd you figure that out? Um, time, you know, the one, the one, it's a special place. So I'll start there. And it's, it's not like every company, but there's a lot of things that we do that are definitely easy to transfer. But the, this company it has grown organically. They're, we're actually 44 years old. And so I remember in my first meeting, the CEO saying that, you know, Bob, we've got 30 years here, so you don't need to solve world problems in, in a week. And that's, that's unlike the Fortune 125s, where a lot of us work, where you're delivering quarterly, right, for your shareholders. So um, I was able to spend three months just listening and observing and trying to understand where we were as an organization. And then after three months, you know, I had my thoughts and then I I proposed it to the team and uh, we move forward. We move forward. And so can you tell some of those details? Because I'm curious. I think this is would be helpful for some yeah. that are, have made that transition from big corp to small, medium-sized enterprises. Um, what did you have to bring with you? What were some of the key things that were helpful to bring with you from your, your corporate world? And what were things that you had to leave behind and reinvent? Can you walk through some of those items? Yeah, so the, the things that you bring with you is, is exactly what's good at corporate America because of the money that you have to make change on scale. So learn, and, and, and I always, just, to, just for perspective, I've always grounded myself in, in Maslow, and, and I spend a lot of time talking and coaching Maslow because the one thing that's constant is the human being. So what I was able to bring is understanding what good um, leadership development looks like, what good learning looks like for associates in the stores, in a distribution center, in a corporate office, what good philanthropic associate involvement looks like in the community, um, what good listening. I, the, the biggest thing we do, unlike many companies, is we listen all the time. We truly have a listening culture. And so I knew what great looked like, you know, and, but what I learned and I had to, first thing I had to unwind is the pace. This company is, we, we move fast and we're nimble, but you, like I started with, with the CEO, we want to be able to do it right. And unlike a corporate office as well, we're, we can get 70% and we'll launch almost like technology where you're gonna learn on the fly. Most big companies, they want it to be airtight, right? And so we have the ability because of our size to test and learn. And that was new to me. Um, you know, the first couple of things I wanted to do, I wanted to be airtight. And, and I realized that it's okay to fail, it's fail fast. And, and we do that. And um, I think that's why we've been successful. That's great. And, and you know, I've been through that, same process myself. I, I had corporate execs work for me in my past business and, and very intelligent people, but wanted things airtight, you know, that 12 item system. But you, you know, I always said, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know that item four is not even going to work because we haven't pushed this out. So I love that. And I think yeah. that's, a, there's a great lesson out of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and uh, one thing jumped out at me. Um, you said we have this culture of listening. Yeah. And I'm curious because I think this topic's coming up more and more. It seems to be one of the most taken for granted skills in corporate North America, global, you know, corporations globally, mm-hmm. is the, the the listening skill. You know, it seems like only in some cases we talk about it at the leadership level. Companies don't really train for employees to learn how to listen. What have you guys done to build the culture of, of, of great listeners? I'm very curious. Yeah. Um, well, first, you know, we got alignment at the top. And um, again, it goes back to the culture of the company. We've got a CEO that uh, still does a broadcast every Friday with all of our leadership out in the field. And he is quick to say that my favorite line is, um, we were transitioning cleaning from an outside party in store. And he said, I have no clue what the best broom is, but I know that the maintenance people in the store will tell me. And And so I knew that that was who we were. And at the same time that I'm in the company, I wanna just make sure I state, they also brought in four other leaders, a distribution center uh, exec from, from big company, Ahold, uh, a, a store operations guy who'd been with great companies like Best Buy, Marshalls, uh, a, a general counsel and the chief marketing officer, just to name a few. So we had a leadership team that all had the same philosophy. We interviewed for If you care about people, you're going to be successful here because that's what this company was founded on. Um, So when I when I talk about some of the successes and how we got here, I want to make sure everybody understands that it's not a one person show. It's actually about team. Um, So um, I almost forgot where we were, Ron. I'm sorry. Well, um, you you know, look, you're you're just kind of walking through the 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 listening piece. How? Yes, 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 right. So we sat down and we defined, you know, who we wanted to be as an organization. And the thing that jumped out when, when, when I was listening uh, to the leadership team um, and, and listening is, is, is literally that. I would go to stores and walk around, introduce myself and ask, what are we doing right? What can we do better? What do you want? We And so listening, I want to just, we bucketed in so many different, so for benefits and total rewards, you know, you can benchmark and you, and companies make assumptions of what your people want. We literally hired some MBA students to do a capstone project on what an employer of choice looks like. And they went out and engaged the entire organization. So what came back was, this is what's special to Ocean State Job Lot and the, the associates. We spoke to the associates in the distribution center, which is just a melting pot. We have 40 countries represented, seven dialects, and that's a whole lot of different things that that group wants. And then you've you got your traditional white collar workers in the corporate office that have different needs. But we 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 call it's so the title of what we do is we are listening, and every leader, every manager, always we're always listening. I mean, it's just it's as simple as that. I want you to ask probing questions and understand how people are. And- but I, love, I, love, I just want to jump back to what you said, because I love sure. those three questions, right? And, yeah. and I think they're, they're impactful and important. So what can, can you, can you restate those? What are, what, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, what are we, what are we doing right? Right. What, what are we doing what, right? Yeah. yeah. Where do we have opportunities? What should we be doing better? And what, what do you, you want? need? Yeah. What do you, what do you want or what do you need? Okay. Yeah. love that. And, and, and those scale up, right? Because yeah. one is kind of baseline. One starts to move up and, and the other is let's, let's, what are some ideas like that? That, that kind of drives, you know, yes, the, the manager or whoever's asked the question needs to listen, but now you're starting to drive innovation too. One is like, protect us, what's slipping through the cracks. Yep. And then how do we make this company better? It, it, if you read between the lines of those questions, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have to be comfortable though, because once you listen, you have to act, you know? And so for those, for those of us that don't just jump out and listen, if you can't do anything with the information, I mean, that's really, really important because you lose trust. And trust is really important today. But it feels like your organization is would 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 give folks the autonomy to move. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's one of our values. Yep. That's great. And so so is that you know it sounds like this is a natural thing, or you know do you do you measure listening in performance reviews or is it processed? We, I mean, we the measure, questions are processed. Yeah, but. It, it's it's a little of both. So we measure. We, we measure success in the organization um, through a number of different ways. One, we measure just engagement of um, the offerings that we have, um, whether it's on, on the well-being side, those folks that are engaging with telehealth, um, those folks that are engaging with pet insurance that they asked for. Um, that's the baseline. We measure um, turnover we measure turnover at under 90 days because that's important to us that we, we didn't deliver something in our promise that you felt like you had to leave us in 90 days. Our brand is very, very important to us. We listen through all of the social media platforms. Um, you know, Glassdoor is a biggie to us. Um, and, you know, and, and so those are the things that honestly can tell you uh, how successful you're being. Um, we, we know um, Forbes, you, you, you know, everybody wants to be a Forbes best company because that's solicited and it's anonymous and it's simple, you know, likelihood to recommend. So a net promoter score is important. And so we'll ask net promoter score questions from time to time to see how we're doing. Um, so those are the ways that we measure success. We measure success right now, um, internal development. You know, we, we had to, we had to buy to, to get the ability to scale the way we're trying to scale now. But we also knew that that is not um, a recipe for long-term growth and commitment um, from your teams. So, you know, now we're focused on making sure we're, we're, we call them career journeys, that we are building career journeys for anyone. And it's not just ladder, it's lattice. You know, we want you to pick your journey. Um, so in, 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 in our associates, the other thing I would say is our associates aren't afraid to tell us. Um, which is awesome. Um, you know, yeah. It's interesting when you were talking about journey, we had uh, Amy HR on a few weeks ago and she talked about this movement from going from a career path to a success path. And that's exactly what you're talking about, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I, lo yeah. I love that. I, I want to go to, um, I want to dig into the business a little bit. So family business, 40 plus years, sorry. 44. Yeah. So yeah, second two, or first generation? First generation. Um, still, uh, second, there's a couple second generation uh, sons that are in the business. Uh, two, two brothers, one was an engineer, and I think he might have even been driving a cab at that time in New York City. The other brother was an attorney in upstate New York, and then a college roommate 
they literally pooled $500 together and started buying, um, I think the first big sale were um, odd side slippers on Long Island at a flea market. It was kind of um, Amazon in its, you know, back in the day, right? Just yep. a hash, like a mash of all these different items, it sounds like. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, here, you know, 44 years later, we're going to be at 150 stores, we hope this year, building out a pretty strong um, e-commerce building, which is a big strategy of ours this year. Um, very philanthropic. We, we are the largest single provider of meals in the Northeast. Um, I, it, I can't even remember how many truckloads of food, you know, giving wow. back is so important. And we're lucky, Ron, two of the three objectives for the organization this year, so it tells you kind of who we are, are one of them it falls under culture and one falls under purpose. The other one's driving sales. But the two thirds of what we do, we know we have to do it through our people and enriching the lives of our customers and our associates if we're going to be successful. So my job has gotten honestly very easy. <laughs> so I, I had a question I didn't ask. I want to go back to this listening thing. Um, so... Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the net promoter scores, are, do you get into the weeds on that, i.e. high customer, high employee, how well do you score us? Do you feel listened to? Do you ask the, do you get that specific on the question to, to measure it? No, um, but what we do do, our customers, absolutely, we, we, they all still do focus groups and, and talk to our customers. And um, oh, So you're going very deep if it's focused. Yeah, we will do focus groups. For, for the associates, um, we, we, don't, we don't want to do traditional uh, surveys. I, I just, I've never liked them. We're actually building... Um, for the second half of the year right now, when, when they log on, it's basically a kiosk and we're going to start dropping questions in there so they can continue to answer confidentially. I guess you could call them pulse, but it'll be one or two questions um, on the topic of the day because, because we want to know, like right now we've got this huge investment in well-being. Um, our associates ask for uh, mental support, our data, obviously that's, that's everyone, but I want to make sure that the tools we're providing in the, it's so important that we've got a wellness ambassador in each location. We've invested significantly, but um, the way they're measuring it is, is right now is through Google and clicks on the well-being site. But I want to know, I want to know more. So we're going to ask deeper questions. Yeah. So that's very interesting. So two, two things um, yeah. that I've noticed, not just in this conversation, but in past with uh, some past guests. The word employees getting used yes and yet, sorry, less and less. You're mm -hmm. using two words. You're saying associate and you mean employee yeah. and you're saying ambassador. Yeah. Can you tell me the significance of the word associate? And then let's talk about that for a second. Well, just by definition, I think if we look up employee, it's someone that works for you. And an associate is someone that works with you. I love that. And to be successful in, in the world, we, we've got to be working together, not working for each other. If we could... We have, we are very flat and honestly, if we could figure out a way not to have titles, we wouldn't have them. You know, I just went, I spent the, a day with associates in Pennsylvania and all I, and all I did was uh, thank them for what they did during the year of COVID and want to understand what they were going through to make sure we were delivering for, on what they need. Uh, Cause it's, it's easy to, to work from home. It's not easy to be on the front lines. Right. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. An ambassador, because, you know, if we're going to do things that everybody says, this is what we need, um, we need someone to champion that. 
And um, so our ambassadors are ones that are that that love the brand, that care about well-being. Um, they were they volunteered. It's not like in in their in they um, said yes, I will carry I will carry the flag in my location to make sure everybody understands all of the resources they have. I, I love that. It's funny in, in my uh, my company Vita Living, our frontline. Uh, staff members are called building ambassadors. We, we use that same title. We, and, and, you know, I, th I think that there's, because I'm hearing this more and more, I, I think that the, if I had made a guess that those who get culture right within the next five, 10 years, don't use the word employee. I, I think we'll hear that less and less. I think I you're ahead of the time and so are other companies. And, but I think we'll hear it less and less. You, yeah. you would agree. Yeah. And I, I brought that with me though, that, you know, that, that, um, the, a couple of those great fortune companies have been using the word associate for decades. Wow. Um, yeah. And they were ahead of their time. Good for them. Yeah. And so, so let's go to the culture of family business and I'm sorry, I rewound and we okay. get off track, but this has been a great conversation. So 44 year old family business, how, how does, from your perspective, how do the founder leaders stay nimble? And because, you know, we're typical, typically, the family business, and I know this is first generation, but gets stale. The, the culture kind of stays back in 1970. How has, how, how has the company been able to continue to upgrade their culture and be progressive about, you know, empowerment and treating people well versus that's probably not where they started to. Yeah. Because they are very self-aware as an ownership team for for a group of people, and in, in this case, the CEO, to think six, seven years ago saying, hey, this whole associate thing, and we were calling them employees, by the way, back then, yeah. um, giving free health care, obviously, we need to do more if we want to have people love us. And when you think of legacies, you know, they were very proud of what they'd done in the community, what they've done to grow a business. But I would say they were probably lukewarm on what they were able to do for their teams. And so recognition of, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I know I can go get the right talent that will help me is important because legacy to them, they talk more about, you know, their grandchildren and, and what they're leaving for their grandchildren. The kids are engaged. Um, you know, one, one of uh, the sons, is actually helping us as an organization stay nimble on strategy. Um, and he's doing a great job. And unlike other family businesses, they really like each other, you know? Mm. I mean, yeah, that, that is odd, you know? Yeah, there's, there's, they there's like each other. Falling and, apart over the, over the family business, right? And it's not a business. I, I still, I still am in awe that they will say, actually, this is our hobby. And we love what we do. And, you know, the, our CEO said, Bob, I'm going to die spinning in my seat. And, uh, you know, and so he surrounds himself with, with like-minded people. And um, we all care because we also, everybody understands we welcome them as, as part of the family. And so when, when you believe that you are part of something bigger, you will do amazing things. And we spend a great deal of time on that. That's excellent. Um, I know um, that in the organization, um, people—it's got this culture where where people are comfortable and speaking up about how the little things kind of create magic. And so it sounds like people uh, are, are are 
open to giving ideas and and speaking up is, is am i getting that right when you say you, create yeah. magic and here's a real here's a real example so finally rhode island is allowing our corporate office to open up again in june and but before we opened up you know we wanted to understand you know what are we doing right and and when you come back to the office you know what are you worried about and what can be different what can be better wanted it to make sure that it was not the same place they left because that can be apprehensive. And it's simple things like um, art on some of the walls. So our art that's going to be on our three floors are all pictures that associates have taken out in nature or whatever they're passionate about. And so our art will be all associate driven. They wanted, you know, uh, to start getting a little more progressive with spacing. So we're doing this whole future of work project. But one of the things that we heard loud and clear is for those folks that do work in cubes, they would love space. So we walked the building as a leadership team and have created quiet space. They have asked for um, you know, out more outdoor seating for lunches. So we're creating a place for them to have more outdoor seating they wanted we this is crazy but one of our one of our best online items is a massage chairs so the expensive ones up to a thousand two thousand so we've created wellness space around the the building where people will be able to sign up to to take a massage uh, during the day so when what the long story short when it comes back it's going to be representative of what our associates asked for so a couple of things one Send me a couple of massage chairs. I'll take two. Dude, they're awesome. sure, right? I love them. Let's be honest. We could talk about massage chairs and just go on that tangent. Uh -huh. um, but 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 look, there was something, this blanket that I think is very important as people are getting back to work is, and I love that you said, we don't want this to be the same place you left. And how do you want it to change? I think that is such a powerful question slash statement and 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 it and sends the right message to people saying we really want your impact and let's make this experience better for you i love that yeah. but more importantly um let's get to the how because fine you've um created an environment where you can listen and 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 but 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 how do you get people to feel safe to give you this type of feedback because it's a little different maybe it might happen over time but yeah. feeling safe so i can say you know i'd like this or i want more space outside that you're doing something else what how are you achieving that uh, we built trust i touched on it earlier and, and it takes time and it takes you have to crawl walk run and so you know six years ago people were absolutely apprehensive and it started with making sure that you showed them whatever we were talking about, it was going to stay confidential. And so once you get that group of people, it, it begins word of mouth, right? And then after you start to interview and add talent um, that are committed and, and have strength and courage to, to, you know, to be honest, it, it, it's that melding of the great people that were here and inserting newness and creating this new family um, all built around trust, but it, it took six years. And, and I would say there's still pockets where, um, you know, people still won't speak up, but that's okay. Um, we're going to continue to do the right things and, and hopefully at some point they feel confident, but they're, they, you, you just, um, I, I say this all the time and we try to say this, we are not solving world problems. And, 
there is no reason why we can't have a professional disagreement and not still go have lunch. And I had that conversation again this week. And because if that person doesn't want to go to lunch, then somehow we've made it personal and we got to figure out how we fix that. I love that. If you, if you, they won't go to lunch with you, there's a problem, right? Yeah. And, and, and also I, I, I think it's great. It takes courage to say, cause there's two paths. <clears throat> there's wow. Some of these uh, associates won't speak up. What we're doing isn't working. Let's revert or let's push through. It's okay. We'll keep working on this. And I love that because that's a pivotal moment when you are aware of that and okay with it. And, yeah. and that takes courage. Good for you. So, so what's next? What, in a culture like this, what's the new challenge? What are you working on? And, and what's the next you know, thing that, that you need to kind of figure out? Because most cases, there isn't a playbook for some of this stuff. Yeah. You know, I think more are getting in the ring, but what, what's next? What are you working on? We, well, we, uh, the future of work and what the future of retail looks like, you know, with self-checkouts, automation, you know, from a business perspective, those are the things that are going through our mind. But, uh, you know, we want to, we, we, I believe it or not, you know, our turnover in retail is only like 50%, which is unheard of, right? But that's not good enough to us. We want to, we want our, we want to improve our retention. We want to improve internal growth. And we want to continue to have our associates like coming to work is as easy as being at home. And so that intersection, because they do intersect, that, that's what's next. We want everyone, not just uh, a handful. We want the 5,600 associates to say, you know, Ocean State Job Lot is my employer of choice. Um, I choose to be there and um, I love coming to work. That, that's People would say, well, that's Nirvana, but that's how committed we are to all of our people. Yeah, I love that. Bob, look, uh, thanks so much for dropping in and coming on our show today. It's been a lovely conversation. I love the passion. I can just feel it from you. You obviously found your home and good for you. And it sounds like you're continuing to add value uh, to the organization. It sounds like a great, great marriage. Yeah, thank you so much, Ron. Yeah, well, look, uh, Thanks again, and let's stay in touch. Perfect. Have a great weekend. For more information about Bob and to follow his work, go to bobsellythehrguy.com, B-O-B-S-E-L-L-E, thehrguy.com, or just connect with him on LinkedIn. For more information about the Scaling Culture podcast or our upcoming book and masterclass, Scaling Culture, go to connollyowens.com. And if you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe and share with your networks. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.